0: It's the Locked On Podcast Network, your team every day. Today's Locked On Reds, and in fact, every podcast episode for the month of May for the Locked On Reds podcast is brought to you by Built Bar reach for the best tasting protein bar that's actually tastes like a candy bar on the market today go to builtbar.com and in the checkout enter promo code locked on that's l-o-c-k-e-d-o-n for ten dollars off your first order
1: you are locked on reds your daily cincinnati reds podcast part of the locked on podcast network your team every day
0: Into your daily source for the Cincinnati Reds throughout the offseason. This is the Locked On Reds podcast, and I'm your host, Jeff Carr. And here we go. Alrighty, for today's Locked On Reds, I have back with me my friend and yours the purveyor of redsminorleagues.com and redlegnation.com and even though i could not find the video on youtube i was looking up to see if maybe it was on youtube i heard he was also on television here lately doug gray how you doing man
1: i'm pretty good how you doing jeff (laughs) I'm <laughs> doing good. I
0: I really tried. Although I, I, I found out there's some guy named Doug Gray who is in the Marshall Tucker band and there's like hundred and fifty gajillion videos of him, so I couldn't find anything amongst that.
1: Yeah, no, I, I I don't know. I was on uh I was actually on two different Dayton television uh, stations in the past week talking mostly Dayton Dragons baseball, but just minor league baseball stuff in general. I have no idea if either one of them actually put their clips on YouTube or not. Um I know that at least one of them put it on Twitter because I did see that. But, yeah, even even if you wanted to watch it, it's not really worth it. So don't bother. I'm not that important.
0: Well, there you go. Television star Doug Gray joins us today on the Locked On Reds podcast. <laughs> um, uh, let, let's start out with something fun here. Let's look at this. It's kind of uh, a what-if scenario. And I know that there's nobody better to talk about Reds prospects and minor leaguers than – yourself and I want to ask you when, when you look back on Red's prospects that you were just like man this dude is going to absolutely kill when he gets to the major leagues and then he just didn't who was the one prospect that you look back on and you just missed
1: I see that's tough to say because I don't want to say that I missed necessarily because the guy that comes to mind uh, he's, he's been a productive major leaguer for the most part uh but You'll understand what I'm saying when I tell you who it is. Robert Stevenson. Yeah. Now, when you think about Robert Stevenson when he first came up, I mean, he he really did struggle. As a starting pitcher in the major leagues, he had issues. Uh, but he's been a pretty lights-out reliever for the past two years. Uh, and so, you know, you can kind of see where you can definitely say he, he didn't become the guy that you thought he was going to be, which— I mean, I'll, I'll just put it out there right now. I mean, I thought the guy was going to be a, an ace, a, a number one, you know, starting pitcher. Oh, yeah. um, he, his second year in Dayton, um, he just he was a different kind of guy. Now, I'm going to give you a scouting report for Robert Stevenson. And Jeff, I mean, I'm sure you're familiar with what Robert Stevenson looks like now, what he throws. And I just want everybody else to just kind of think about Robert Stevenson that they know right now. Okay, right. You, you got that? All Let's right. Let's do it. Robert Stevenson as a starting pitcher. I think this was in two. This was 2013, I believe. Um, he threw 95 to 98 miles per hour and touched 100, and he could locate that pitch. He threw a changeup that was, eh, it was okay-ish, borderline average, and he threw a 12 to 6 curveball in the mid to upper 70s that was absolutely just disgustingly good that he could locate. Does that sound like Robert Stevenson you see now? No. (laughs) No. He doesn't throw anywhere near that hard. Uh, His fastball is actually his worst pitch now. Uh, He doesn't throw a changeup anymore. He throws a split finger. And he doesn't really throw a curveball anymore. He throws a slider. He's a completely different pitcher today than he was when he was, you know, the Reds' top prospect for several years running. Um, And, I mean, it's just... It, when you, if you were, if you were there and you saw him back then, and you see him now, like it, it's just, it's crazy because he really is a very different pitcher. He looks the same, but everything he throws is completely different.
0: I don't know that this was like a professional scouting opinion or somebody that was writing about him at the time. This might just be, you know, water cooler gossip about the guy. But I, I thought I heard comparisons to Steven Strasburg. Like people were convinced the Reds had their guy of the future that was going to lead their pitching staff. And I couldn't wait to see him in the major leagues. And then, yeah, once he got up, he, he just couldn't throw a
1: strike. Yeah, and that's something that kind of hit him. Uh, It was actually that same year that he was in Dayton um, that I was just talking about. He had, and this is purely in just based on how the timeline plays out. I have zero information that this is actually what happened and led to the control problems. But towards the end of his time in Dayton, he pulled his hamstring, and he went on the, the, at the time, it was the disabled list, and he missed about a month. Now, when he came back, the numbers were still good in Dayton. I think he made two or three more starts there. Uh, got promoted to the California League. He was playing in Bakersfield. Uh, for those who don't know, Bakersfield, uh, they don't—they're they're not really a franchise anymore, but um, they played in a ballpark where, to dead center field, is 354 feet. <laughs> so you—you you don't want to send any of your pitchers there that you want to, you know.
0: Make them feel good about themselves.
1: Keep keep saying is where I was gonna go with it, but yeah, like so he was only there for like I think it was two or three starts, and then they promoted him to to double A for the last month of the season. Um, he went to double A, and he, you know, he struck out guys at the same rate, but he walked like sixteen guys in like eighteen innings, and his control never recovered. Now I'll say this: while the walk numbers, you can look back at it if you would like to at Baseball Reference, um, and you know his walk numbers and. And Dayton, even after he came back, were good. His walk numbers in Bakersfield, they were good. But the control was not there. His stuff was just too good for those guys. Um, and, uh, you know, I, I, I had I'd mentioned that to some other scouts that I know, and they basically confirmed what I was also seeing. Um, I, again, I have no idea if it was completely related to the hamstring, and he came back and his mechanics were just a little bit different, and he never got back to where he was. But to me, it seemed that there was a very like fine point in time when he went from having control of this fastball to not having control of his fastball and it was it was at the moment that he injured his hamstring
0: and it's amazing, even looking at his page on fan graphs, they have his prospect report from two thousand and seventeen they have his fastball listed as a sixty, so it was even just three well two years ago technically that his fastball was a strength and like and like you mentioned and we've all seen it over the last year it's not his strength anymore
1: I mean it's so much not his strength anymore that he throws his secondary stuff more often than he throws his fastball which (laughs) you usually don't see from guys who you know I'm not I'm not trying to talk bad about Bronson Arroyo but guys that aren't you know Bronson Arroyo who have you know a, a soft fastball and they they need to rely on the secondary stuff so much more because of that. You know, it's not like Robert Stevenson doesn't throw hard. You know, he, obviously he's not going to be confused with Noah Sindergaard or anything, but you know, he's not out there throwing 89 to 91 miles an hour. He still throws mid-90s, uh, but it's just, for whatever reason, guys can see the ball well, uh, and, and they, they do damage on it. Um, but his secondary stuff is really, really good. And so, uh, yeah, he, he just goes to that a lot more frequently now.
0: And I I'm with you on where he is now he's still a productive dude I mean if you look on baseball savant his expect his expected statistics are all very high percentile like expected ERA's in the 98th percentile expected slugging 96% expected weighted on base average 98 and for those of you that don't speak sabermetrics that's really good stuff but that's still not what we thought he was going to be. We didn't think he was going to be pitching out of the bullpen. Like you mentioned, we thought he was going to be the ace of the staff. And right. to see kind of how his career has developed, it it is, and you know, I mean, he's still a major leaguer, so it personally it's successful for him, but as a fan knowing what we thought he could have been, yeah, it's kind of, it's it's definitely a miss cuz I'm thinking even of the guy that I have in mind, and I've I've joked about him before, but I joke about it because he was a dude that I was completely sold on when he was coming up through the farm system. And that's Daniel Corsino. And he hasn't done near anything what Robert Stevenson has done. He pitched two years in the league and the last one was in two thousand eighteen and the one before that was in two thousand fourteen. I I don't know why, and I I don't claim to have any sort of knowledge of prospects now, and I definitely didn't have it back then, but I just, when I was reading about him, got me excited, and I just never saw it.
1: Yeah, I mean, he is another one of those guys. His stuff just went backwards. I mean, point blank, that's what happened with Daniel Corsino. His his stuff went backwards. And unfortunately, unlike Robert Stevenson, his stuff wasn't as good. So when it went backwards, it didn't quite have the exact, or the same amount of room to, you know, step back and still be good. Um, But... I don't know. While we're on this subject, though, let's—I've got a hitter in mind too. If you—if you don't mind me just throwing it out there—and it, this is—it's ridiculous to say that this isn't what you expected for a guy that has uh, 312 career home runs. But Jay Bruce.
0: Yep. Yep. No, I'm
1: with you. Unfortunately, you know, somehow a guy who's a 12-year career has 312 home runs, and he's just 32 years old is a disappointment. I mean, yeah. or maybe, maybe not a disappointment, but it, it, he hasn't been what you expected. Um, but you know, he was the number one prospect in baseball. You know, he absolutely destroyed the minor leagues over his last two years. I mean, he was the talk of the town and he just, he, he didn't become what people thought he was going to be. Um, and I, you know, looking back, you can kind of see where the signs were there that maybe it wasn't going to happen, but, but, while the whole sabermetric revolution was kind of going in some small circles, it wasn't really as mainstream as it is now. And looking back at his minor league track record, you can go, oh, well, his strikeout-to-walk ratio, kind of questionable even in the minor leagues. Uh, And, you know, that's kind of what's played out in the major leagues too. And I think that's kind of what's held back, um, you know, both the average and on-base percentage, which ultimately, you know, if he were a two seventy five hitter instead of a two forty five hitter, it changes a lot of the numbers. So uh, he he's the he's the hitter, and you know it, again, the reason that both of those guys are quote unquote disappointments is because the expectations were so high. But uh, I think you could ask a lot of people that have played Major League Baseball if they'd trade their careers with Jay Bruce, and absolutely they would. I mean, there's he's had a very good career. It's just the expectations were for something a little bit better. And that's going to happen to a lot of guys. And that's
0: the thing, too. Again, it's not that he had a bad career. It's what was expected of him when he was in the minor leagues. Like, he was drawing comparisons. Uh, I I read something that he drew comparisons through age 23 to Barry Bonds. And I know that that, that, you know...
1: That's that's, that's a little bit ridiculous, but I mean... (laughs) You know, at the same time, I mean, you would you would constantly hear Larry Walker, yeah, and I mean, again, that in hindsight that doesn't make sense because Larry Walker walked a ton for every, you know at every stage of his career, and Jay Bruce just never did that. Um, but you know, physically, they kind of had the same body at, at, at the younger ages. Uh, the power is Larry Walker esque, um, but the, the hitting itself wasn't. The defense was. So you're. The Larry Walker thing, you kind of get, but, you know, when, and again, if anybody's ever listened to me, followed me, whatever, you know that I hate making player comps because of, well, things are different. When when some people make player comps, they're just making a comp to, he looks like his mechanics doing this, that, or the other look like this guy, or his physicality is like this guy. They're not necessarily always saying he's going to put up numbers like that guy. Uh, But some people, when they make comps, that is what they're trying to say. And so I just try and avoid making player comps like that because somebody may take it one way and I mean it another. Um, But, you know, Larry Walker was the one that you constantly heard with Jay Bruce. And, you know, again, Jay Bruce, for his career, he's got a 109 OPS plus. So he's been better than average. And, you know, here we are. We're talking about how, well, you know, it's a little disappointing. So it's not exactly fair, but, you know, it, it is what it is.
0: Doug and I get into a bit of a conversation as to how hard it is to actually scout and get these players and prospects and their futures right here in just a minute. But first, a shout out to Built Bar. Make sure you go to BuiltBar.com and take advantage of this promo code locked on to get $10 off your first order. We're talking about Built Bar, the best tasting protein bar on the market. It's healthy. But it also tastes like a candy bar, which is pretty awesome when you combine those two things because normally you don't get good tasting and healthy together unless you're just paying through the nose. Built Bar's not that way. And they've got all kind of great flavors that you can check out, like mint chocolate cream, and you've got double chocolate mousse. I've mentioned them a couple of different times before. Banana nut bread is a very, very good flavor as well. And you're going to want to reach for these a whole bunch, so you're going to want to get you a bunch from BuiltBar.com. And on your first order, you can save $10 by entering the promo code LOCKEDON. That's L-O-C-K-E-D-O-N for $10 off your first order at BuiltBar.com. Today's podcast is also sponsored by the audiobook edition of 24 Life Stories and Lessons from the Say Hey Kid. In this reflective and inspirational memoir, the legendary Willie Mays shares the inspirations and influences responsible for guiding him on and off the field. Widely regarded as the greatest all-around player in baseball history, the beloved Willie Mays offers people of all ages his lifetime of experience meeting challenges with positivity, integrity, and triumph. This special audiobook production includes a forward read by Bob Costas and a bonus conversation with Willie Mays and his co-author, John Shea. Whether you miss seeing your favorite players on the field this season or you're just looking for the perfect Father's Day gift, 24 is the inspiring story of one of sports fans' favorite living legends. Buy the audiobook edition of 24 now wherever audiobooks are sold. Well, and and far be it for us to put the expectations on a prospect that before he even plays in the major leagues at all, we think, oh, this guy could become a Hall of Famer, but we kind of thought that with him. Like, I remember that feeling whenever he came up. Everyone was like, this dude is going to, again, like Robin Stevenson, he's going to change the course of the franchise. And, well, you know, he hit that walk-off home run on Clinchmas. I don't really think that, you know we will look back on jay bruce and be like he was one of the harbingers of the success of the cincinnati reds that's just not a, that's not going to be something that we remember we remember him as a good player but like you said even be comparing to uh, even having been compared to larry walker larry walker's a hall of famer jay bruce as much as we love him he's not a hall of famer
1: yeah, but you know that, that kind of gets back to the whole you know, scouting baseball players is really freaking hard <laughs> yes, I mean it. you know the best people in the world in the scouting world you know they, they work for major league baseball teams you know how many number one overall draft picks are Hall of Famers I mean we're, the, the draft has been around since 1965 you know how many number one overall draft picks are Hall of Famers is it less than five uh, way less than five one there's, t- there's two. Two okay. Still oof, Jones, Chipper Jones, and King Griffey Jr. <laughs> that's it. That's the list. Now Alex Rodriguez should be there, but he's not. But I mean, even if we even if we want to, you know, give Alex Rodriguez the asterisk, we're talking about three since 1965, and that's supposed to be the best player in the world. That you know the people paid the most money in the world to scout baseball players thought was the best player. Three of them have been Hall of Famers.
0: That's that is a daunting number. What is the average success rate as far as players scouted by a scout? Is it like ten percent? Less than ten well, percent?
1: It's going to vary depending on which which scout it is, because you know, for some guys, their job is to just kind of you know parole their area, and if you work in you know the yeah. Midwest. And I mean, I mean, the real Midwest, like Nebraska, Oklahoma, you know, you're not going to see the same caliber of players as if your area is Texas or California or Florida. It it changes the numbers you're going to see big time. One, because you've got way more, you know, you know, fair, unfair, high quality high school players, but you've also got more high level colleges, too. So, you know, it's going to it's going to change things. I mean, you know, you always hear about how, you know, players in. You know, cold towns, you know, cold areas. They 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 get, you know, dinged in, you know, the scouting report uh, just because they don't play enough baseball. Not as many people get to see them. I mean, heck, you know, the, the scouting report turned in on Mike Trout. The guy was like losing his mind. Like this guy's a future Hall of Famer and he's looking at some 16 and 17 year old kid and he's like <laughs> future Hall of Famer. But somehow Mike Trout still wasn't even the first player drafted by the Angels that year. Right. He was The second player which I'm still angry about, by the way, because Mike <laughs> Trout was the only person that showed up to MLB Network Studios for the draft that year. The Angels knew that, and they still drafted somebody directly. They had back-to-back picks in the first round. They drafted Mike Trout with their second pick. Come on. you They made him wait. They made <laughs> him wait. <laughs> it drives me so crazy.
0: Has that first player ever made the Majors?
1: yeah it was uh oh my gosh randall randall grichuk
0: so yeah i mean not bad but definitely not mike trout
1: <laughs> right i mean yeah <laughs> i mean nobody's mike trout nobody but yeah, is. yeah nobody. like it, it's just it, it drove me crazy like in hindsight realizing wait a second they could have just drafted that guy first and the other guy second like just take take randall grichuk second and Still pay him the exact same amount of money that he already agreed to sign for when you made the phone call and said, hey, if we draft you, will you sign for this amount? Yeah, sure. Like, (laughs) oh, my God.
0: So easy. And and just looking at, I mean, real quick, obviously this isn't an Angels podcast, but I just got to point it out. I mean, the man is 28 years old and he has a 72.8. B War, so ba- baseball reference War. Uh, and that, uh,
1: that's that's basically King of Junior, Barry Larkin career, right? Like, and and uh, you know, he's, we he's twenty eight.
0: It's it's insane. We we talk about oh man, we're we're pretty sure that Joey Votto is a Hall of Famer. Like Mike Trout is way above him already. Yeah, it's amazing.
1: Well, I mean, yeah. While we're while we're doing this, I mean, I've got the that two thousand nine draft. You know, I've got the I'm looking at it right now. Okay, number one draft pick was Steven Strasburg. Great pick. Wasn't yep. the best pick because Mike Kraut's the most insane player ever. But Steven Strasburg, you can defend that all day. Perfect draft pick. Made sense. Sure. Number number two pick, Dustin Ackley. You may not have ever heard of Dustin Ackley. <laughs> but if you have, you know, that's fine. I mean, he had a, you know, he, he played 635 games in the major leagues. But, you know, he hit 46 home runs as the number two overall pick. Number three overall pick, never made the majors. The number four overall pick, played in 52 games. Number five oh, overall pick, never made the majors. I mean, that it's really freaking hard to get this stuff right.
0: That's what I, that's one of the best things in my mind, just looking back on the history of baseball, like looking at all of the different unknowns that have been. And, and then you even, you flip the script and let's look at some guy, maybe a guy or two just that comes to the top of your mind when you think of no idea how this guy got to where he is because nobody was on him and then all of a sudden bam he's in the major leagues
1: i mean the the most obvious one is uh, i mean at least to me is albert Pujols. I mean, he was go. like a, I mean he wasn't even a top 10 round pick uh you know even even the you know the cardinals that were in on him they i mean and, and this is what's weird is you can see the scouting reports on him and like, you know, they thought he was gonna hit, and they thought he was gonna hit for power and you know, and it's not like they were questioning it either. Like they were like, Yeah, this guy can really hit, but somehow they still didn't draft him in the top ten round. It was weird. Um, but I mean, you know, let's I mean Mike Piazza, he was drafted like sixteen rounds after or I'm sorry, twenty six rounds after the, you know, draft even exists anymore. Like it was the... I think it was maybe it was the sixty second round. Um but you know, the, the draft is only—I mean, it's five rounds this year, which that's a different story. But it's usually yeah. four, it's usually forty rounds now, and he was taken in the sixty-second round. Well, he's a Hall of Famer, so he's
0: uh, in the conversation I, as one of the best catchers ever. I mean, we're not going to put him over Johnny Bench, but right behind Johnny Bench, you've got Mike Piazza, Ivan Rodriguez. And Yadi I'm just kidding. I'm not going to say that. But you know, you've got guys, and Mike Piazza's
1: up there, and he was picked in the 62nd round. And I mean, the rumor is it was only because he was, his family was friends with Tommy Lasorda. Like, <laughs> I mean, but favorite. you know, it it yeah, it was a favor that he got drafted. So, I mean, it, baseball's weird. It's you know, you'll you'll hear some stories every so often about it, you know undrafted guy in the NFL or something like that, but it's just a different thing in baseball. It really is.
0: And for folks who have recency goggles on, and they're like, "Oh, Albert Pujols," let's not forget his career, also super amazing. He has a 100.8 Baseball Reference WAR. He's batting 300 for his career. His on-base percentage, 379 for his career. His slugging percentage, 549 for his career. This dude, and he came out of nowhere. Unbelievable. Well, Doug, sir, I appreciate it. I, I love looking back on stuff like this, and I thought that it'd be fun to have you on. We we talk about some of this good stuff here and just, you know, get our minds off of what is and look back at what has been Hopefully, what will be is better than where we are. Okay, I've weaved myself into a mental pretzel. Doug, thank <laughs> you so much for being on the show today. <laughs> what do we got coming up on Reds Minor Leagues and RedsLegNation.com?
1: Uh, I mean, Reds Minor Leagues right now, we're we're all in on the draft, um, which, you know, it's it's about two weeks away at this point, a little bit more than two weeks away. And I mean we're just we're diving head on in, doing as many scouting reports as we can before the draft gets here, and then just when there's information on anything going on minor league related, which right now there's not too much because they're not playing and Major League Baseball's focusing on trying to get their season started, so even the stuff between, you know, the major league baseball and minor league baseball contraction kind of situation is kind of on the back burner. So uh all draft all the time right now over there.
0: Who are you feeling the Reds might go for or are you even I there yet?
1: just picture me throwing my hands up in the air right now because I have no idea. It, it, it It's the wild West because I mean, there's so little information, even on the college guys, some high school players that are, you know, first round potential guys they didn't even play this year. You know, if they, if they didn't play or if they're not from, you know, a warm weather state, they didn't even play this year. So I, th- there's just, there, there's so many weird things. And you know, the Reds draft twelve. So, you know, it's not like they've got a good idea of who's going to not be available. they, They may have somebody in mind that could be picked fifth overall, so who knows?
0: I'm hoping 10, 15 years from now we can look back on this draft and be like, see, this underscores just how crazy it is to scout baseball. And then when you have even less information to scout baseball players on, you have no idea what happens. And say maybe some dude that doesn't even get picked in the top five rounds becomes the next
1: Mike Trout. Well, I mean, I, I hope the Reds land them at the next Mike Trout because that'd be awesome. But uh, I'm going to guess that they're not going to just because, <laughs> well, it, numbers. Like it, the, the odds are not with any one specific team to land someone that good ever. So, sorry. Sorry to crush all of our hopes and dreams. But hopes and dreams are dangerous. Don't have them, kids.
0: <sighs> on that terrible disappointment, it's time to end. <laughs> thank you guys so much for listening today <laughs> for the fuck. Doug, thank you so much for being on, sir. We'll look forward to <laughs> talking to you again. <laughs>
1: Thanks for having me, Jeff. Hey, Prime members, you can listen to this locked on podcast ad free on Amazon Music. Download the Amazon Music app today.